Welcome to the last ones at the bar, your one-stop shop for all your boxing needs. We're like the Walmart or Target. When it comes to the sport of boxing, you can get, you know, all your boxing info at a low cost. You know, my name is William Henry, and today I'll be tag teaming the topics with my main man, Lavelle Jackson. So we're going to do the Styles P and Kiss, you know, the Heart Foundation. And so, you know, like I said, I'm here with, with Vail, a.k.a. Bret Hart. Phil, how's your weekend going, my brother? Uh, it's going well. Can't complain. You know, busy as usual, but it's better to have things to do and, and be worth something than, than not be. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I wasn't at the bar. Like I said, I was at the crib, but I had, you know, two sessions with, with, with some good friends of mine. Um, you know, we was just chopping it up, catching up. And yesterday, we ended up doing a Zoom and sip. And so what we wanted to do, or one of my brothers suggested that we, you know, grab a bottle of this uh, whiskey, this bourbon whiskey called Bro Brothers. It was something that he saw, I want to say on Oprah, like it's some brothers who have the first uh, Black-owned whiskey bourbon company in Kentucky. And so we got, had, we, we all purchased it, and then we just chopped it up and caught up and, you know, just to try to support that particular company. So if you get a chance, it's a brand of bourbon whiskey called Burrow Brothers um, or Burrow Brothers. You know, you can't get it everywhere. So if you're in Virginia, you're not going to be able to go to ABC. So you have to look it up and, you know, see if you can, you know, find it somewhere. I know in Maryland, you can find it in different places. But no, I just thought that was a good thing. It was good catching up with them, but it was also for a good cause. Um, so now what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, get off into these topics. You know, me, I'm like the big man on campus, kind of tall, you know, Vail, he, he, he's, he's the little man. We're going to call him Mar <laughs> Marlon Wayans, you understand what I'm saying? Um, so, Vail, anyway, let's go ahead and, and talk some of these uh, topics. And this episode in particular, we're just going to kind of preview a lot of upcoming fights. So how about we start? I'm going to let you choose. Which one do you want to start off with? We've got about six of them that we're going to discuss. Yeah, I'm going to start off with one that uh... – I saw in the news this week, uh, uh, they said this is in talks for June and July, June or July. I'm talking about uh, Jamal Charlo versus Jaime Mugia, which a very interesting, you know, matchup. So this fight, it, it kind of caught me off guard. It, it was actually a few fights in the news this week that kind of caught me off guard. But this one, you know, I, I kind of like how they match up. Uh, but I had to really think on it and really, and really think about it and how this one was going to play out and even if it do or, or why would it play out. So uh, just a little background, Jamal Charlo, uh, he's 32-0 and 0 with 22 knockouts, uh, six uh, feet even with a 73-inch wingspan. He's coming off his uh, a victory with Juan uh, Marcius Montiel, uh, and he also has a win over Sergey uh, Devrachinko. But he did. He, I think his resume actually looks a lot better at uh, 154 than it does at middleweight right now. But we'll get to that later. So he's taking on Jaime Mugia. Mugia is 39 though with uh, 31 knockouts. He's about six foot, six feet even. Also, uh, very huge. Also, he was very huge for for uh, light middleweight. Um, I remember his victory was from Saddam Ali over Saddam Ali that really started the the motion. But I think. That win came very, very early on, and I think that it some right after that win thought he was he wasn't ready for the big stage. So 
uh, Golden Boy Promotions been moving him uh, pretty slow up to this point. Uh, he was a WBO uh, champion at, at light middleweight. Uh, he vacated the title to move up. And many thought that because, you know, he's more so uh, a WBO guy that he will be in line to face Demetrius Andrade. But this fight is going to be for Jamal Charlo's WBC middleweight title. So, you know, Charlo, very, very athletic, very, he's a uh, kind of a one punch. He tried to, you know, he picks his shots very well. Uh, he relies on one punch sometimes, you know, not saying he just, you know, a one punch knockout guy, but he's kind of relies on setting, you know, crazy shots up as we saw with uh, his knockout over uh, Julian J. Rock uh, Williams. But it seems though, when I really, the more I think about Jamal Charlo, it seems like his power hasn't really traveled with him up to 160. I mean, he stopped a few guys, but uh, the same level of guys, those guys were at uh, like middleweight, he probably would have that middle that light middleweight version of Charlo would have stopped him because when he was at light middleweight, of course he had the win over J. Wright, but also he stopped uh, Cornelius K. Nine Bungeons. Uh, so his power is, I mean, even at middleweight he has the power, but I don't think it's the same. Uh, and then when you compare him with his brother Jamel, uh, they should always look at Jamal as more the puncher, but Jamel is really the one that been that's been you know getting knockouts lately. So, so really at middleweight, his, his resume hasn't really, you know, been up to par when you consider that, you know, he's now in his early 30s. Uh, and it seems that he's been, you know, uh, waiting on a fight with Canelo, which I thought, the more I think about, it, I think it's kind of ill-advised because, you know, he hasn't had those um, those victories where, where he's really putting the hurt on guys lately uh, to think that he will be, you know, be able to share the ring with Canelo. So Mungia, uh, a guy who, as I said, he was huge for 154. Uh, seemed, at first, I used to look at him kind of like a Jared Hurd where he was getting by by his size. And he was moving very, very slow. And I thought that was to his detriment. I, th- I think maybe they thought that um, after his win over Ali that he wasn't ready. Yeah, I, I know he had a few fights after that where uh, there, were, there were fights where he struggled a little bit in. And I guess you know, the powers that be may have saw something, you know, that, that he needed to work on and, and, and kept him away from a lot of those big fights. But in his last few fights, I like how Magia, you know, he, his combinations, you know, he, he's getting a lot better at throwing his combinations. He, he, he's graduating from just being a, a volume puncher that just pretty much relies on overwhelming opponents. Uh, even though he still does, it seems that uh, his combinations are a little bit more sharper, but there's still questions about his competition, which which could play out in this fight because we don't know, you know, how he's gonna react when you know a, a Charlo hits him. So the, the the pick I have in this fight, I mean, I think it's way too many questions about both guys coming into this fight. I think more questions about Mugia because he hasn't faced that type of uh, competition and adversity. Uh, Charlo even though he may not have the, the, the names that his brother has right now, or I mean the stats that his brother has or been in those fights, I've seen Charlo more in face adversity a little bit more. Um, and, I, and I've seen him get through those, those times of adversity. Mugia, and, and the level of competition that, that Charlo has that adversity with is higher than the, the same type of competition where Mugia would have that same type of adversity. So if I'm going to pick this fight, I, this fight is kind of hard to pick, but I would 
go more with Charlo. I think Charlo has something in him that I think uh, he wants to win a little bit more. A little bit more. But also, it's, it's one of the things I have to bring up about Charlo, about Jamal Charlo, is I think had he had he, uh, he I remember that 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 close fight with with Matt uh, Curaball. I think had he lost that fight, it probably would have been a lot better for him. I think he would have had that more of a chip on his shoulder. Like when his brother lost to, I think it was that same night, his brother lost to Tony Harrison. And ever since then, uh, Jamel has re- really been stepping his game up. He he felt slighted and he, and he, he did something about it. Um, Jamal really hasn't had that, had to really do that. But I, I do think if I'm going to bet on someone to, to in this fight, I'm going with Jamal Charlo. I think he's going to win decision. I don't think he's going to knock Mugia out. He's going to outfight Mugia. But this is going to be a really, really entertaining fight. It's going to be very exciting to watch. I just think Charlo's experience is still going to be too much for Jaime Mugia. And, it, and it's telling that they kept Mugia away from guys like Andrade and also both Charlos. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Will? He's only 25. You know, I, for good reason. I, I would think that they would keep him away from guys until he's ready you know he's been filling up the seats he's an offensive dynamo he's a wrecking ball you know he has a lot of potential and so I wouldn't necessarily attempt to Fernando Vargas you know and just put him up against the top level upper echelon guys just yet let him own his craft first you know get things together and then when he's ready you know the the, the opportunity is there and he can maximize his, his abilities then that's when you go for somebody like a Andrade. There's nobody really out there who's just, you know, seeking out somebody that's as tricky as Andrade, you know, especially the fact that Andrade is not necessarily a household name, you know, the, the risk outweighs the reward. But if you're able to be somebody like that, then, you know, the boxing, the people in the boxing circles, they're going to really be impressed because that's a tough task, you know, um, as well as Charlo, not as much as um, Andrade as far as, the trickiness of him is more so his physical attributes that he brings to the table. You know, he's also a guy, to me, I always say that he's really excellent when he controls the real estate and geography, you know, in the square circle. He has nice power, nice pop. You know, he has world-class skills. And I like the the half uppercut that he throws um, with his right hand. You know, that's something, a, a punch that sometimes fighters can't see. And, you know, like Julian Jackson was – he caught him off guard with the shot, you know, and how powerful it was. And when it landed, you know, it was all she wrote, you know. So he Julian Williams, Julian Williams. What, what did I say? Julian Jackson? Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. You know, um, his brother did beat, uh, was it the other Julian Jackson son? But um, but no, that was the Julian Williams fight. You're absolutely correct. Um, this this is a really, really good match. Now, I, I, I'm leaning towards Jaime McGee, and here's why. Because I think that, Charlo does have advantages when it comes to opponents, the level of opponents that he's faced. Recently, though, I think Jaime McGee actually has fought the better opposition when you factor in uh, Gabe Rosado, uh, Terriano Johnson. That was a good fight to have at 160. And Jamal Jamal has been inactive, right? He hasn't fought since the Montiel fight. Didn't look, that was a less than stellar, you know, fight for him and I just over the years I haven't seen him like add any new wrinkles to his game he's he's pretty much the same fighter so it's like he's kind of stagnant when it comes to that and I see 
Jaime McGee, his trajectory is going up. You know what I mean? Like he's he's the, the thing about him is his defense. It's a little shaky at times, but it seemed like after he had the Gabe Rosado fight, or even during the Gabe Rosado fight, he shored up some of those deficiencies that he's had. And I just think he's getting better and better. So that's the reason why I'm leaning towards him. Um, I also think that, not that it matters, because they both fought Montiel. Um, you know, Charlo struggled with him. And then, I mean, McGee, he mollywalled him. Like, he just didn't bat. That's why I thought that your mall was going to just whoop on Montiel going into the fight. I had no idea that he would struggle the way he did, just based on what I saw. And that Jaime McGill, Jaime McGill was just way too big, too strong, too powerful, and too much offense for him. He just didn't let up. So I just think in this fight, that's going to be the case. I think that Charlo sometimes also, I didn't mention this, is that he gets sloppy a little bit when he gets tired. And so that's when his defense kind of, um, he, he, gets, he gets tagged a little bit more. And McGill with those 31 KOs, I can see him actually – potentially stopping uh, Jamal, but I wouldn't go with the stoppage. I would say McGee about 12 round decision. I'd also think that he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, that's where the, this, this fight has stalled. Like they were on the verge because on Tuesday, it's supposed to be a showtime, big announcements. And that's the thing that's holding this fight up because McGee side, they want the zone to have access to this fight. And then Charlo's people want uh, showtime to have access to this 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 pretty um, big fight, but my prediction would be Jaime McGee in an all-out war, twelve-round, um, maybe split decision, unanimous decision. But I just I, I think that it, watching the fight, you would say that McGee won. You know what I mean? I think he's gonna like land a more significant shots on Jamal Charlo. Anything else you have when it comes to this fight? Yeah, yeah, you brought some some, some excellent points, and, and you're correct. I think Jaime McGee has definitely approved over the years. It, it was interesting because I, I remember seeing him in Saddam Ali when he fought Saddam Ali, and, and just this last fight, I saw his combinations. I was just like impressed. Um, so I think that if this fight was like years ago, Charlo, just, it'll be easier for me to pick Charlo because especially at, you know when Charlo was at like middleweight, I mean he was really running through him, but. Charlo, yeah, like you said, Charlo seems to be stagnant. But I do think his toughness in his chin is very, very reliable. And I think that's where um, uh, McGill would have to really tough that one out. So I, I, can see, I can see it being a close fight. I can see it, depending on who housed the fight, I can see it going either way. But I, I think the, the, the Jamal Charlo is, is, the, is the PBC money guy. Not saying he's a big time money guy, but he's the PBC guy. I think he's going to etch this one out too. And I think he's going to be probably more motivated in this fight too. I think he's, he seemed to be one of those guys that has to get up for certain opponents. And I think he'll be up for McGee. So hopefully this fight gets, you know, gets made. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely tune in this one. It's one of those fights that's just, you know, as a, a boxing fan, like I would actually want to see it. Um, but then there's, you know, another fight that not a lot of people are asking for, but people are saying that, I mean, I, I'm hearing promoters say that people want to see it. Uh, so, and that's Javante Tank Davis going up against Rolando Raleigh Romero. Uh, and this fight was, of course, it was won before and it was canceled at one point, but now it's back on um, for Tank's secondary title at uh, Lightweight. And it's on May 28th. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Will? How do you see this fight uh, going? Yeah, you know, this is one of the ones I kind of, you know, predicted early, you know, when they made the fight before. Um, and it, it amazes me as far as Tank is concerned that to be able to get away with these type of fights, you know what I mean? And it's just, you have all of the smoke at 135, 140. You know what I mean? You're going up into these weight class. You're going down to 130. You know, you campaign at 135. Out of all the guys that are in those weight classes, it just baffles me that this is the guy that you choose, you know? And then even the Pitbull Cruise, Pitbull Cruise, that they were thinking that that was going to be a soft touch. But Pitbull Cruise proved to be a little bit more difficult than expected you know, after the Roley fight didn't go through. But it just baffles me. How, and then on top of that, how is Roley Romero the number one fighter in in the, the WBA? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's 14 and up, 12 KOs. But, I mean, was it that Anthony, can you dig it, you get win? I mean, is that what propelled him to the number one ranking? You know? Was it the fight that he had against um, the guy that looked like Morris Day? I think his name was Avery Spiro. Was it uh, Jackson Martinez who got defeated, you know, after, you know, even after that victory? I'm, I'm sure it, it baffles me, man. But anyway, so, yeah, he's 14 and 0 with 12 kills, 5 a 68-inch reach, you know, tank from out of Baltimore to South Pole, 5, 5 and a half, 27 years old. And um, he has a record of... 26-0 with 22 KOs. You know, as far as the attributes of both guys, Tank obviously has the power, the speed, athleticism, throws a tremendous uppercut. And Roley, basically, he, he does have power. He's very physically strong. But outside of that, you know, and I said this in the past, like Roley, when I see him, sometimes he, he, he looks more like a guy that's mimicking a fighter as opposed to somebody who's actually a fighter. You know, sometimes I'm looking around like, is he playing around or is he serious? You know, some of the noises that he makes, the looks that he has on his face when he's throwing the punches, his arrogance, yeah. in the head, you know, all of that type of stuff, you know. And he telegraphs his punches so much, you know, he just, again, he's just been facing limited opposition. And he's another guy who keeps his chin, you know, in the air often. I, I thought that Avery Sparrow um, hurt him a couple of times, but he just not was not a puncher. And But it was a short period of time that he was hurt. But I'm just saying if a guy like that is able to touch your chin and kind of, you know, make you freeze up a little bit, just imagine what's going to happen once Tank lines him up for one of those uppercuts. You know, I think with Tank, he's um, – with, with the attributes that I mentioned, the only thing that I, I – I, the weakness to me is just the opposition that he's been facing. You know, and then sometimes, you know, I, I see him getting frustrated a little bit at times and some fighters are able to take advantage of that, like Santa Cruz and – um a couple of other guys, I just saw the look on his face and, you know, Mayweather had to like kind of coach him, you know, to, to calm down, stay cool and stuff like that. But that's the only thing. If he ups the ante as far as his, his competition, I think some guys may be able to take advantage of that. And that, maybe that's why they keep rolling out these um, type of opponents, you know. But as far as a prediction, this is nothing even to discuss, man. This is going to be a brutal KO, man. It's going to be like the KO of the year. It's going to be like a highlight reel. And my prediction is more so that Tank is going to no longer be called Javante Tank Davis. He's going to still dominate Wilkins, the human highlight reel. 
um, after this one. But Tank, less than three. You know, I, I can see a first-round KO, second-round KO, but this is not going too far. This is going to go as far as Tank wants to let it go. But I don't think he's going to play with Roley because Roley's going to talk too much in the press conferences. So it's going to have him angry and want to finish him off as soon as he can. And I think it'll be before three. Oh, prediction. But you know what? I think Raleigh can drink two pots of coffee before you get in that ring. He's still going to sleep. The only question is how he's going to sleep. Is he going to go to sleep standing up? Is he going to go to sleep on his side? Is he going to go to sleep on the, on the seat sitting down? Is he going to go to sleep on his stomach or is he going to go, go to sleep on his back? But Raleigh's going to sleep. So, I mean, look at how they, how they match up. I think the, the only saving grace that Raleigh, I don't think he has a chance, but I think the only thing is going to, that might keep him in there for a few rounds is that Davis is, you know, while he's, a, he's an aggressive puncher, he's not really a, a guy that, that, that really goes after it in the first few rounds. He, he does try to fill you out a little bit, and he does try to box. And, he, and his, especially lately, it's always been this thing where he's trying to, trying to uh, outbox the points and show that he does have boxing ability. Um, and Raleigh is going to be is very very uh, he's very un- unorthodox. He's almost like a sharper. I think he's a sharper version of like Ricardo Mayorga, uh, which is which can serve him good and can serve him bad. So he's going to give Tank some angles that you know Tank might have to really take a few rounds to, to really figure her out figure him out. Um, because Raleigh is not really a standard type of boxer, but I, I think there's going to be some nice exchanges in this fight too. For about I say about three rounds, um, and that's based that's really based based off of uh, Jamonte Davis being patient and trying to pick his shots and see how he's going to going to crack Raleigh. And Raleigh's going to Raleigh's going to come out aggressive anyway. He's going to really really come come out aggressive, trying to really not tank his head off. But Tank is going to put Raleigh asleep. I say before the sixth round, uh, and, and I agree with you on, on a highlight reel. It's going to be a highlight reel knockout because Raleigh doesn't protect his chin, you know, and he he's very wound up and he's very just just, just anxious and angry and all that. And it's just a recipe for disaster when you're in a, a ring with someone like Javante Davis. So yeah, I, I predict Javante Tank Davis by. Brutal knockout, and it's gonna happen before the sixth round. Yeah, and the LC that went shit. No, I think that was that's the easy one to predict. You know, I'd be very surprised. For me, I'd be surprised if Roley makes it out of three uh, rounds. And I know, like you said, the tank is a slow starter, but he hits too hard, and he's gonna be hitting him too flush um, because just Roley just do does too much amateurish um, sophomore mistakes that he makes that. You know, Tank is going to take full advantage of that with that power, that speed. And he's never faced anybody near the caliber of a Tank, you know. So he's going to be out the gate. He's going to be puzzled, you know, and he's not going to have the capacity to be able to, you know, put together, you know, what's needed in order to solve the puzzle. So easy, easy, you know, cakewalk victory for Tank. You know, they probably already setting up who's going to be facing after this one, you know what I mean? (laughs) I just want him to get. I just want him to get one. Just, just one little. Eh, just get that out. Just so before he get knocked out. Tank, just, just let let Raleigh get one of those off. Just once. Eh. Yeah, even that. Like that's gonna. You can time that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, no matter how it go, I think that was it. Like I said, easy call right there. Let's go ahead and move on, man. You know we got in in about two weeks from now. 
you know, we got the former WBC junior lightweight champ, uh, Miguel Bruchot. He'll be making his ring return after the devastating KO loss that he had back in February 2021. So he's been off for about a year. He'll be facing Jeremiah Nakatila, um, who lost to Shakur Stevenson by 12-round decision, but he also just recently had a second-round KO victory um, this past October. Uh, what, do you, what do you think is going to happen in this one, uh, the Brasheau-Nakatila fight? This is a little more difficult to predict um, based off of where, where both these guys are. Um, Miguel Brasheau, of course, he's 38-2 and two with, with 34 knockouts uh, coming off that that hard loss to uh, Oscar Valdez, you know, where he, where it was a very, very brutal fight. Uh, and it, it probably took a lot out of him. Uh, and, and going up against Jeremiah Nakatia, who's 22 and two with 18 knockouts uh, from Nambia. Uh, and I did check out his fight with uh, Shakur Stevenson. I do remember that. Uh, so I did rewatch that. Uh, and a lot of this is going to be based off of how much Rochelle has left. Um, because Rochelle at his best will probably will, will, will beat Nakatia. I will favor him over Nakatia. But that fight against Oscar Valdez, it, it wasn't just like a, a, a knockout loss that happened like suddenly. I mean, it was a, pretty much it was a beat down where he kept getting hurt over and over again. And then there's the, you know, the weight issue. Um, there's the weight issue. And, and I think this fight is probably going to be at 130, uh, which can't be good for Rochelle still. Um, and Nakatia, um, the, the, the only thing why, where it makes it hard to pick Nakatia because this has all the, the, the makers of an upset that Nakatia could possibly win this fight is that Nakatia, in my opinion, especially in that Shakur Stevenson fight, is it, interesting because he, he tried to outbox Stevenson, which was never going to work. And, and when that wasn't where he kept trying to do the same thing over and over again, and he, and he, ex, he kind of accepted, he accepted Shakur Stevenson pretty much outboxing him and outclassing him. Like, he didn't really change anything. It was almost like a, okay, if I do this, you're going to do that. You're just going to keep – people won't get me over and over again. Uh, and it was almost like he didn't want to get embarrassed anymore, so he didn't really sell out for that fight. So it's hard to see him sell out for for Miguel Pichel for this fight. But you know what? I'm going to win, and I say Nakatia pulls this one off. <laughs> I say he pulls it off um, and stops Pichel. Late in the fight, I think Rochelle has had a lot of wars. Um, and, and, and if this fight was at lightweight, I would feel a lot better about it. But and I thought that Rochelle would, would probably move up. Um, but at super featherweight, I have Nakatia. Um, that's going to be my pick winning this fight by late round stoppage. Yeah, it's this it's, based on what you just said, is the reason why this is a difficult fight. And what surprises me most about this fight is the opponent that Rochelle chose to come back against is very physically strong. And he's he has power and he's very durable. So that's, that's what surprised me. And previously, I thought that there were a couple ways to beat Rochelle, but I always respected Rochelle because at the time, if you're going to beat him, he's he's one of those guys that's going to kind of force you to go through something in order to beat him because he is very offensively gifted. He has, you know, he applies tremendous amounts of pressure. He lands studying shots. You know, he's nonstop. You know, with his with his firepower, 
you know, and he's never in a bad fight. You know, I've never seen Miguel Burchell in a bad fight because he, he has that offense and his offense is his defense. But I always looked at him and I was surprised prior to the Baldez fight that more guys didn't take advantage of his limitations, which is him coming in um, so recklessly and then also leaving his head like way high in the air. But he comes with so much offense that it's hard to take advantage of that. And they say he's 5'7", but he appears to be taller and longer. And it's harder for those guys to, you know, size him up and land the shots that's needed in order, you know, to, to, to kind of stymie some of his pressure. But Valdez did a masterful job of doing that. But now that's definitely not going to be Nakatila. Nakatila is very basic. Though, you know, although he's physically strong, he's durable, you know, he has power, he's just real basic. Now, as you stated, again, Shakur, he, he uh, shelled up, but Shakur has certain gifts that he has that kind of that Mayweather type of ability that not necessarily has the most punching power in the world, but he's, he's, he, he'll nail you with something and then he's so quick that you don't want to make a mistake by just getting hit by something that you don't see. And so I think that that was what Nakatila's problem was against Shakur because this dude was just too fast. But he kept Shakur, you know, moving around that whole fight where he never, like, stood still because he was worried about the power that was going to come in. But he was doing his thing. Now, don't get me wrong, he was winning all the rounds. It's just that he wasn't really going to overcommit against this big, powerful, durable guy. And so, that again, that's what makes this fight so tricky. If this wasn't again, his, his comeback fight after a devastating KO, and he's been so inactive, I, I definitely would say that he will overwhelm Nakatila, and it's just Nakatila's just too basic for that version of Rochelle. This version of Rochelle, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if he's going to be timid. I'm sure that he will. I don't know how his chin is going to hold up if he does get tagged, and he could easily, you know, see the ghost of Oscar Valdez again. Um, oof. I have to go. I'm, I'm still going to, just based on the limitations of Nakatila, I'm going to give Brasil the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm, I'm going to give him that championship, you know, pedigree, that championship, you know, respect that he deserves. And so I'll say he's going to ink out a, a, a decision in this one. And, you know, hopefully he gets the ball rolling where he can, you know, propel himself into fighting for another championship. I, I hate if this is going to be the last hurrah, you know, for El Akron, you know. So, but we'll see. I'm hoping for that. You know, I can see, you know, your prediction coming to fruition as well. Um, but I like Miguel Bruchel. I like what he brings to the sport of boxing. You know what I mean? So, I'm going to be rooting for him, and I'm going to go with him by decision. Anything else you got when it comes to this fight? No, sir. So, we, so we got another fight, you know, coming up on, uh, I believe, uh, two weeks from now on the 26th. Uh, it's a rematch. Uh, we got Kiko Martinez versus uh, Josh Warrington for the for uh, Martinez IBF title. Uh, what are your thoughts on this rematch and how you see it see it, it going? Man, these all of these are gonna be some good fights, man. You know, I, I'm looking forward to the to the rest of March, you know. So you got Kiko Martinez, 36 years old, 5'5, 66 inch reach. He's 43, 10, two draws or 30 KOs. Then you got Josh Warrington, 31, one. 
with seven KOs. He's 31 years old, 5'7", 67-inch reach. As you stated, this is a rematch. The first fight was fought in 2017. Warrington won a majority decision uh, victory. A lot of people said that they thought Martinez won that fight. You know, I thought it could have went either way. I like what La uh, Sensation did in that fight. You know what I mean? It's just with these guys, it's going to be whether the volume puncher, what do you take? Do you take the guy who's landed more punches, but they're like feather fisted type shots? Or are you taking the guy who's landed the least amount of shots, but they're more impactful? And so that's always going to be the case when you got somebody who is as powerful as Martinez and then somebody who's just a volume puncher and Warrington. But since their fight in 2017, you know, uh, Martinez, he recently just won the strap, the IBF strap against Kid Galahad in a fight. I thought he was looking really past it. Galahad was having his way with him until about maybe 30 seconds into the fifth or before the round was going to end in the fifth. And he just landed a huge shot. I want to say it was a right hand against the lefty. And he just, he timed him perfectly. He was waiting for that shot all day. And then he landed it and he put him on his back seat. So the round ended, and I'm talking about immediately, next round, first punch, boom, that's it. You know, he put Kid uh, Galahad out, you know, with that shot. And, you know, in, a, in, in the process, won an IBF championship. So with him, and then also recent, I mean, not recently, but since their last fight, he got demolished by Gary Russell Jr., fifth round stoppage because um, of cuts, you know. Russell had his face looking like a steak with the A1 sauce. You know what I mean? So the ref stopped the fight. And he was getting pummeled. You know what I mean? So he really, both guys aren't the same, like, before when they fought. So, that again, that's what's made this a little bit more difficult to, you know, pick. And, you know, as stated before, Walt Warrington is a pressure fighter, volume puncher. Um, he has victories over Selby, Frampton, um, Kia Galahad as well. Um, but those were some tough fights. Some of those fights were split decisions, majority decisions. Um, I, and I thought that Warrington himself kind of got beside himself, a little overconfident after the Frampton victory. And then he most recently got that wake-up call against Laura. You know, most people were expecting him to go ahead and get had a trilogy fight with Laura, but he decided to go ahead and go for this championship because Martinez felt like he won the last fight and he wants another crack at, at Warrington. So he sidestepped the Laura fight for this one. Um, again, this is a 50-50 fight, man. I think what I'm going to do is I want to go at Martinez. I just, just looking at him and the kid Galahad fight, he just looks so slow, you know, prior to the knockout. But once he ended up smelling blood, then he, and he sees the opportunity. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with Martinez. I, I think Selby is still a little shaky. I can see Warrington winning this fight convincingly, but he gets hit a lot too. And I don't know how that chin is going to hold up. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I'll say Martinez is going to put an end to the Josh Warrington show. And so I, I, I'll take him by a stoppage, maybe mid-round stoppage. Yeah, this, this is a hard one, too. Yeah, I have to really think about this one. I, I think this fight, based off of where, where these, two, these both of these guys are, 
uh, it could play out similar to the last fight, but I think it's going to be a little bit more exciting. It'll be a little bit more. I think this fight is actually, um, as far as where these two guys are, it's better than their last fight uh, as far as what can happen because of the emotion in it. It's not like the, the first fight, people were just like, ah, oh, Josh Warrington, he's going to beat Martinez, and we saw how close that fight was. This fight is like one of Martinez's best wins coming off of Josh Warrington's worst loss. <laughs> so it's like, uh, who do you pick? And and I think Martinez's confidence is going to be riding high. And I think that I think the mentality is is, is going to be the key in this fight is that his confidence is running high, where Warrington maybe questioned himself a little bit. You know that that Laura, you know that that was a hard loss for him. You know. Um, and Martinez, he's more a crew. And even though both guys are kind of crew, I think Warrington can be crude in spots because, you know, he, 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 it's interesting because he, he, I think if Warrington had more power, I think he would be a lot better. <laughs> but it's interesting to see. I think when Martinez fights him, I don't think Martinez is going to be worried about what's coming back at him. And I think that was kind of key in the first fight where he was punching kind of with Warrington and, and really. You know, uh, he had Warrington's rhythm down pretty much pat, you know. But even, even since that fight, you know, Martinez has taken some, some more losses and some more, you know, beatings. Um, so it's really the mentality versus – it's really Martinez's mentality up against, you know, the, the, the wear and tear that he's had since then. Uh, and Warrington, uh, of course, he has the desire to want to come back. But it's, but still, that's a that's a loss. That, that fight against Laura is one of those 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 fights that, that can make him a little bit more apprehensive and, and start changing the way he fights. So this is this is kind of a hard fight to predict style wise because Warrington on paper is actually better than Martinez, but it's not how it plays out in the ring or even in the mentality of the of both of these fighters. So I'm going away. I'm gonna say Martinez uh, by stoppage by late run like by late. Uh, round stoppage. One thing about Martinez, man, he just, he, he has that old school fighting spirit. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat him on him, you know, and he's just going to have to give out before he ever gives in. And I just don't think that Warrington has enough pop to, you know, like stymie his aggressiveness. And so he's just going to be sitting there trying to land those big shots. And if one or two of them get in, because part of me, if this was like Warrington before the Lara fight, I think that he, although he will be getting tagged a little bit, I think that he'll be able to withstand those punches. I just don't know now if psychologically, if his chin is just a little bit more brittle because he looked kind of shaky a little bit in the second fight against Lara, but the fight ended so quickly, he was never truly able to get all the cobwebs out if he was going to be able to do that in that fight against the guy who actually defeated him. I think had he been able to go through that fight, then I think he'd be better off, and like especially psychologically, because he, you know, had gone through it. But now he still has question marks. And um, I think that somebody with the experience of Martinez is just going to make sure he, he, he tests, you know, that, that, that chin. You know, so I, that's why I see it playing out that way. But I can also see Warrington winning a pretty convincing decisions just based on what I saw in Martinez those first five rounds before he clocked Galahad. All right, so April, 
um, the first or second week, I want to say April 9th, we got the return, the triumphant return of King Rock, you know, Ryan Garcia. He's going to be facing a guy who's on a 32 fight win streak and Emmanuel to go uh, out of Ghana. What do you think is going to happen in this one, Phil? Oh, man. Okay. Let's get right to it. Ryan King, Rye Garcia. Um, he's 20 and 0, 18 knockouts, uh, 5 foot 10 with a 70 inch reach. Uh, actually, I think Ryan Garcia might be a little shorter than 5'10, but still, he's a, even if he's about 5'8, five, 5'9, five, he he's, he's pretty long. He's a pretty long fighter, um, especially at, at lightweight. So he's going against Emmanuel uh, Tago, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, 32 and one with 15 knockouts. Uh, his only loss was in his debut, um, coming off his uh, coming off a win against uh, Mason Menard, which is majority decision. Um, and he's five foot eight. Uh, Garcia, of course, is coming off that that uh, TKO stoppage uh, against Luke against Luke Campbell, but he's been kind of inactive, you know, since then dealing with his personal struggles and. and mental things going on outside the, the things outside the ring also a lot of distractions for Ryan Garcia so when I when I first uh heard of this fight I was like Ryan Garcia's fight who but when I saw him when I, when I really looked Emmanuel Tago up and really like looked at him I think Ryan better be ready I mean because King Ryan might end up like another king he might end up like King Khan if he, he's not prepared and I always I know I always compare Ryan Garcia to Amir Khan, you know, early Amir Khan. And, and this fight might might let me know if it's true or not. Because uh, Emmanuel, he's very, very aggressive. Uh, I mean, he really believes he can he can knock Garcia out. I mean, he's going to come from, from Garcia's, you know, head. But Emmanuel is also kind of crude, but he's a, he, he's one of those guys that, that you may not know him, but all he all he needs is that 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 one fighter is gonna give him that chance to to do it, and he'll he'll probably do it. So this fight is even this fight is kind of hard for me to predict <laughs> because Ryan Garcia, uh, even though he has this 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 crazy amount of speed, he has a you know this crazy amount of boxing ability, he can be tagged, you know, he can be caught, but really he can be caught. He's mostly susceptible against southpaws, and I don't think Tago is a, a southpaw, but he can crack though. So I want, I'm going to go on a whim and go against my better judgment. And I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to believe in, in Ryan Garcia that he's not like Amir Khan. And, and I'm going to say that he's going to beat Emmanuel Tagu. He's going to beat him by decision. And, and, and I, but if, if Garcia gets knocked out, then my, then my uh, thoughts about him being another Amir Khan will be, be true. But this fight will tell you right then, then and there. And previously, I thought this was a bad fight, but I think for someone that's coming back that may have not be there mentally, I think it's a good fight because you get to see where he's at mentally. Because if Ryan Garcia is really as dedicated as he wants people to believe, he should win this fight. He should win this fight handily. He should you should see a display of speed, power, and boxing ability. But if he's not serious and he's not there mentally, I think Emmanuel to go. Gooey, he, he's gonna uh stop him, I think. What are your thoughts? Will? He, he lost me now. Now, nah, at first, I, I don't know who you're picking now, you know what I'm saying? Because you, 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 you say I'm, 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 I'm giving different scenarios, but I say I'm going against my better judgment, even though I can see 
Tagui winning this fight. I'm, I'm still going by Ryan Garcia by the suit. We're covering our tracks again. Let me go ahead and be clear, folks. Ryan Garcia is going to whoop this dude. This is going to be pretty relatively easy. You got King Ryan with the 18 KOs and his 21 victories. You have this guy's 32-1 with 15 KOs. Again, he's coming off a majority decision victory against uh, Maynard, who was Maynard. You know what I'm saying? So that already kind of tells you already um, what, what you would to expect because he hasn't faced the caliber of fighter of a Ryan Garcia. He's from Ghana. You know, they call him a game boy. But what he's going to find out, this is not a game boy. You know, he, he again, being from Ghana, you have guys in the past, Azuma Nelson, Ike Corte. Don't expect Azuma Nelson and, or Ike Corte to enter in, into this ring. He's more so not that he was from Ghana. To me, he's kind of a Terrence Ali-ish type fighter because with those 13 or 15 KOs and the 32 wins, you know, I see him hitting these guys, but he doesn't do much damage when he lands. And what I see, the biggest flaw that I see with to go is going to be that he leaves himself open. He throws nice shots, but while he's shooting, he'll have like, let's say for instance, he's throwing a right hand. He's so much into the shots that he's throwing that his left hand will leave his guard or leave his chin. And so anybody, and Ryan's best attribute to me, along with the power, along with the ability to control distance is his timing. And I think that once he gauges his timing, he's going to let him throw, but he's going to catch him in the middle of one of his shots. And then that's going to be it. So I expect that to happen probably within the first six rounds. Ryan, once he starts landing either some of those heavy body shots or, you know, those lightning quick counters, then he's going to he's going to put it into the show. Um, You know, and obviously Ryan does have weaknesses. His footwork is pretty bad at times. His chin is a question mark. And then he also has problems with his balance. I just don't think to go as the person who's going to take advantage of those opportunities because he's never been in. He's 33 years old and he's never fought anybody that's going to prepare him for King Rye. And that power is going to really deter him, you know, because one thing he does, Ryan does have is, is legitimate, you know, world class power. But that's all I have. I got Ryan, um, you know, five, six rounds. I think that, that he'll, he'll he'll get him out of there. You got anything else that you want to share about, you know, this fight coming up April 9th? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see it going the way you, you said it also. I just think that Ryan Garcia mentality is a, is a liability to me. <laughs> Hopefully he proves me wrong. I'll just say that. Because I had high hopes for the kid. I, I was up on him before even before I was up on Devin Haney. So I've seen his power. I've seen his speed, seen all that, seen how he's trained. It just seems like, I don't know, man. He, he started getting to the limelight a little bit and, and got on social media and was, was a contestant in Family Feud. And I, I think he, he got the fame before he got the wins. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that was an impressive victory he had last January, you know? Yeah, but, you know, after that, that I mean, look, I got to look at where he's at mentally. And that's why I, th- I, th- I think this, you know, it's not necessarily a trash fight. It's a good fight for him coming back just to see where he's at mentally. Because um, who knows? Then, then you know, he left the Reynosos and, and got a new trainer. You know, we'll see even if, even if that clicks or not. And he's too young of a fighter to be making these type of trainer changes and, and all this and going through this. He should be in the fire, you know, going through the fire 
if he was going to fight uh, Emmanuel to go, he should have fought to go between him fighting fighting a, a Devin Haney after that. That should be a warm up, you know. But it's like this is like a comeback fight, you know what I'm saying? You sound like you're hating on a young man. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not hating on Ryan Ryan. I mean, I like Ryan. He just gives me these Amir Khan vibes to me. And I always said that. But we'll see. We'll see. You're hating on him. You're saying he got got the Amir Khan chin. You don't like his decision as far as going with a new trainer. No, I didn't say I didn't like his decision. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I just said it's just alarming that he made that that this is happening so early in his career. And 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 it's... and especially, it's not like he's he's someone with a was with an amateur pedigree like a, a De La Hoya or Floyd Mayweather who can afford to make those type of changes, or somebody um, like a Sheree Leonard. You know, he's he's, I, he's making his own. You know, uh, he's doing what's best for King Rock. You know what I mean? And I, I admire the young man for having the courage to share with the world that he's having mental health challenges and he wants to make sure that he actually works on himself you know self-care is the is the the most important thing you know in life and so he addressed those issues he's working on himself making himself better you know so i I salute the young man you know it is you know it's a mental health health mental wellness i'm all for it you know but like i can't take off you know six months of work for mental mental wellness and, and expect to be the same worker when I come back. So blame the world for, you know, the, the society for that. You know, King <laughs> Right. <laughs> we'll 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 see what he looks like. You, know, you should be back. able to though. Yeah, you should be able to. We should have like certain amount of vacation days that we all get in order to make sure that we're in the best mental health that we possibly can be. So again, I commend the young man, you know, shout out to you, Ryan Garcia, for taking your career in your own hands. And you know, and, and explain it to the world how important self care is. You know, anything else you have on this topic? Yeah, we'll see them back on Family Feud. <laughs> hey, make that money. You know what I mean? I, I can't hate. See, that's, I've seen guys in the past. You know, that market themselves well, where they have endorsement deals, and it's bigger than boxing. You know what I mean? He's making himself. I, I actually really do like that about Ryan Garcia because he brings more. Um, you know, eyes to the sport of boxing. A lot of people, he's so popular, you know, in the social media circles that some people don't even know he box. They're like, oh, man, he fight too. Yeah, you're, you're but, right. they but they they know Ryan Garcia. And you know what? More I think about the family few thing, I, I know I, I joke about that, but I was actually impressed by that because he seemed, I think he was on there with a, uh, I know a Vander Holyfield and a few other guys. And I thought, and, and he was actually like the, you know, the head contestant. Normally, you know how if you ever watch Family Feud, you have someone who's pretty much the kind of the captain of that team. They facilitate all the answers and all that stuff. They're normally the first person that comes up to the podium. And I thought he did very, very well as far as um, just leading the team. And I thought it was interesting because if, if, if I just turn that turn that show on and and Vander Holyfield, when none of them people were there, none of those guys were there. You wouldn't have even know that he was a boxer because he was so bright, you know, bright a kid. So no, it sounds like you, you you started turning corner on the kid, you know, as you think about it. It's okay. I, I was saying outside the ring, outside the ring. I, he sounds like a bright kid. It's inside okay. the ring, yeah. I mean, well, you come, you come hey, around. He better bring his A game. He better be he, mentally, he, he come inside the ring, he mentally better be on. I say that. So he reminds me a lot of of, of Oscar because in certain ways where Oscar had to kind of win over 
some of the Mexican fan base, you know, with his fights with Cesar Chavez, like the second fight when he chose to brawl it out, you know, and stand there and go toe to toe with the old vet. And so once he did that, then the, his, like the guys, the Hispanic guys, they were like, oh, okay, he does have that machismo. You know what I'm saying? Where King Rye, he's going to have to get a huge victory in order to get that type of support. But he just has a lot of people, whether or not, you know, they just, he's a charming guy, you know what I mean? And that's what I like about him because he has so much energy that he'll fight and then he'll be all over the place, you know, doing stuff. And you didn't even think that he was in a fight because you will see him in different, that just that energy. Like that's the energy that like a Sugar Ray Leonard had. That's the energy that Ali had early on in their career. Not to say that he's like those guys, but he has that charisma that could be good for the sport. And then I think with, with that charisma and the fact that he's in a spotlight a lot, um, if he continues to win, then that will force other guys to not just, you just see them when it's time for them to fight. And then, you know, that's all you see. So they, they lose the momentum that they have because of the fact that they're doing that. And they're not like pushing an envelope in order to make themselves superstars and things like that. But he has that capability. It's just more so, is he going to be able to showcase that in the ring? Is he going to be able, be able to have some of those signature victories to match the other stuff that he's doing outside the ring? But I root for him because I think he's good for the sport if he keeps his head on straight and he, he keeps the main thing the main thing. But that's all I have. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, he is good for the sport. He does. He, he you know, very bright kid. Mm-hmm. It, it's just that when you, when you look at someone like, and you brought up Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar De La Hoya, if he, if he was sitting at lightweight right now, Oscar De La Hoya would have fought everyone at lightweight about this time. <laughs> and probably would have lost the one and wouldn't have cared. He still would have tried to go through everyone. Uh, and, and that's kind of, now, it's not to, I'm not going to harp on Ryan Garcia. And it's not 100% his fault. But, you know, Asadel Hoya would have fought at Devin Haney. Asadel Hoya probably would have fought at Tank, you know what I'm saying, at this point. He would have. You know? Oscar De La Hoya was the golden boy because he won a gold medal. And he had already, like, was the mature at that age. And he was already, like, nice. You know what I mean? Ryan has so many O's, but you got to keep in mind, Ryan was on that track to fighting those guys. Like, if he would have did what it is that he said that he was going to do, because immediately after the Luke fight, he began to talk about Tank Davis. And so, again, he's doing what the greats had done. And let's say, for instance, Ali, and I compared him to him in the sense that when Ali was about to fight Liston, a lot of people didn't give him a chance against Liston. And he was talking all of that stuff that he was talking and doing all the things that he was doing. And people were surprised, you know, that he, you know, he's, they don't think that he's taking fighting serious as he is because he's doing all this fooling around and stuff, but he's dead serious about honing his crap. And that's the, what I was thinking about Ryan when he started talking about tank, he's like, that he's not ready for tank right now, but what if he did the unthinkable? You know what I mean? And, and with all the stuff that he's doing, you would have like a mega star right there if and he was putting himself in position to do it. And they were like on the track. So he was doing the Oscar De La Hoya thing. It's just like after that, then it kind of spiraled out of control because then he started talking about Manny Pacquiao, then he started talking about Jojo Diaz, then he started talking about the mental health thing, canceling the fights. So that's when it started spiraling out of control. But if he gets back to where he was and he does get one of those signature victories and he's more than capable of doing it, you know, 
I wouldn't bet on it because he has those limitations, those holes, and some of the guys that he really needs to fight in order to get to be the star that he could be. Like, it's, it's, it's dangerous fights. You know what I mean? But if he's able to pull it off, then we're talking about some somebody, you know what I mean, that could be the next huge thing in the sport of boxing. But, yeah, you know, this fight right here, like I said, I don't think that it's going to go too far. I don't think that it's just more so him. Um, you know, we're talking about Ryan and his potential. But I think as far as that fight is concerned, you know, I think that we made the cases uh, of what we see is going to happen. And I don't think that we need to discuss it any further. So we can go ahead and start talking about another potential matchup that may take place in September, you know, with the Caleb Plant and David Benavidez. Now, they're in talks for a potential matchup, like I said, in September. So who do you think will win that one? Now, this fight, <laughs> this fight actually should have happened a year ago. But I think this fight benefits one person that now that's happening now. <laughs> Uh, so we got Caleb Plant, you know, 21 and one with 12 knockouts uh, coming off his loss with Canelo Alvarez, where, you know, he, he, he tried to give an account of himself and try to use the jab against Canelo, which was, you know, it's, it's hard to measure it against any, anyone else because it's Canelo. You know, people can laugh and say, oh, he got knocked out by Canelo. But this is the pound pound king. He was getting better every day. So he goes against, you know, the the the. The very aggressive David Benavidez, uh, 25 and 0 with 22 knockouts, uh, coming off his um, knockout victory over Kyron Davis, which is a very brutal fight for Davis. I, I, I was definitely impressed with Benavidez. He, he pretty much just out hustled, out man, and just just out fought Davis and just brutalized him. So, looking at these fighters, Plant very you know slick fighter, slick boxer has a pretty good jab he likes to stick and move and move around the ring and you like utilize it well um but sometimes he, he sometimes he over moves and even as he over moves when he gets caught it can look very very high when, when you're trying to win rounds against him it's possible because even when he takes shots against lesser opposition than someone like a canelo he over moves and it looks like he's taking shots that he really isn't but even then, sometimes when you see guys who move around the ring, they, they give this impression that they have this uh, top-tier defense. It's not always the case. Uh, Plan is hittable, and he's able to be hit. Uh, but so is Benavidez. With Benavidez, is he, you know, pressure, pressure, pressure. Just a pressure fighter. Never stops going. You know, he, he's always coming for you. Uh, throws lots of punches. Very, very brutal brutal puncher, um, very huge for super middleweight, uh, probably one of the guys that's even bigger than, than Caleb Plant, who's, you know, pretty nice size super middleweight himself. Uh, when I look at this fight, this fight would have been 50-50 about a year or two ago when they first used to talk about it, when they used to go back and forth. Uh, right now, and, and I probably slightly would have favored uh, Caleb Plant before the Canelo fight, but looking at this fight, I think the mentality of, of Benavidez will be more so can I stop him faster than Canelo did? That's going to be his main thing going to this fight. Um, and, and while he may not, he may not um, be in control of this fight as much as uh, let's say a Canelo, because Canelo is very, very patient. Even Canelo, even when Canelo is not even, he can be losing rounds, but you can always tell that Canelo is in control of the fight. He's using, he's very, very comfortable. Uh, Benavidez is more, you know, um, aggressive, 
he he produces more exchanges. He his defense is basically kind of his offense. He's gonna pretty much try to out. He's gonna bully the plant, and it's gonna be an interesting fight because I think as Benavidez move forward, even if if Plant is surviving those fights, it won't look well. Even even if he's surviving those moments in the fight, I think Plant body language won't look well because he does overmove. He's gonna get an impression that 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 Benavidez is just beating him up, even if he isn't. But I do think that that this is a very, very gutsy fight for Caleb Plant coming off that loss to, to uh, Canelo. And I think Benavidez is just riding high. He really, really wants to get that, you know, he's probably mad he didn't get that Canelo sweepstakes, and he's probably going to try to take it out on uh, uh, Caleb Plant. So looking at this fight, I, I predict that David Benavidez is going to out-hustle, out-work. He's going to stop Caleb Plant late in the fight. Um, and even though I think this is a gutsy fight for Caleb Plant to take, it's, it's not the smartest fight for him to take right now. So we got old sweet hands against El Bandera Roja, right? So in this fight, you know, you got uh, Plant, he's coming off that left front TKL loss against the pound for pound King, Canelo, and then El Bandera, that Karan Davis fight, also in November, seventh round TKO. Benavidez, two-time middleweight champ, you know, lost the belts both times just based on the fact that things that he did outside the ring. But, you know, now he's showing up looking like he's a little bit more focused and more disciplined nowadays than he had been previously, which is a good thing. You know, he's keeping his weight down. I constantly see him in the gym getting that work in. Caleb Plant, um, oh, as far as Benavidez, like his strengths, offensively, he's gifted. You know, he always... Um, you know, throws those punches, great punch output. He has quick hands. And, you know, like I said, the, the biggest thing about him, and I often say this, I feel like, because we, we talk about him a lot because, for one, you know, there, there were talks maybe potentially him and Canelo were going to fight. Then he set the fight up against David Lemieux. And so now we're talking about a potential matchup between him and Caleb Plant. Um, with that being said, so I feel like I'm saying this a lot as far as his uh, weakness. And the weakness is he's another guy who has his head straight in the air. And then also he likes the head and body movement. He's a little round in the middle. And, you know, guys just haven't really went downstairs to take advantage of that. And I don't think that he's faced the caliber of opponents who, you know, has the capacity to be able to take advantage of it, you know. So in this fight, I think Cal that's not Caleb Plant's game. You know, he's a guy who has quick hands, fast feet, excellent vision. You know, he, he looks and sees what his opponent's going to throw, make sure he's out the way. And then I also like Caleb Plant's balance as well. And for me, his biggest weakness is going to be, I think, again, feather-fisted kind of, you know what I mean? The big win against him was the guy the key. He dropped him twice, but a lot of times it was got the key. He's one of those guys who doesn't have good balance, and he was getting caught off balance and got dropped a few times. Nothing that he was, like, hurt, visibly hurt. Um, but the other thing, too, about Plant is that I noticed the Truex fight, um, who's got the key that showed signs of fatigue, but he shows, to me, shows signs of fatigue in the Canelo fight, the Truex fight, around the seven, you know, until the end. He might catch a second win here and there, but at the same time, he noticeably gets tired, and I, I think that's the difference in this fight. You know, I, I actually, I think Caleb Plant matches up well against uh, Benavides. You know, with his uh, boxing ability, you know, 
is is the physical awareness like that will pose a lot of trouble and in size like um benavidez has been fighting a lot of guys who's been moving up in weight and things of that nature and so you know the true 168 pound fighter just has a face and Caleb Plant is a true 168 pound fighter I just think the fact that he's going to start getting tired around seven I would think that in this fight that Plant would be probably leading you know by probably maybe a substantial amount of rounds maybe I would say five to two you know what I mean maybe even six to one he could be leading like that but I just think that it's going to be a drop off like once the seventh round comes then I think that Caleb, you know, he's going to be, he, he, I think he'll start seeing the ghost of Canelo as well. You know what I mean? I think that those things are going to start coming back into his mind. And then also he's going to be taking more and more shots. And that's one thing about Benavidez. He does not let up, man. He's going to keep punching and he gets stronger as the fight goes. And then also not only does he get stronger round by round, but also um, his punch output typically increases and he's going for the gusto. That's when he really starts to try to tag his opponent. Only thing with, with what you were saying, I disagree with, I don't think that Benavides's goal is going to be to try to stop plant before um, he did. I think, I just think that Benavides, that's his, his thing. Like I'm just going to go in there and then I'm just going to put these punches on somebody and I'm going to try to make them quit. Like, I just think that's his game. He's not going to try to do it, you know, hard or fast. The only thing I think that he might fight um, with more of a chip on his, his shoulder because I don't. I think I know that he doesn't like Plant because Plant been saying a few things, and I can tell his responses towards Plant that he kind of thinks Plant is, is is what I like to call a groucho, a mark. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he don't he don't like Plant. You know, based on some of the little slick things that he says. They were about to fight a couple of years back at the gym. And he really doesn't like him. So I think that would be something that would have him have a little chip on the shoulder a little bit more. Although he doesn't need much of a chip because he's just one of those guys who already kind of a little feisty, you know, when it comes to, to boxing. But my prediction would be, I think he would get him in the late rounds, but I think that Plant will have some success early. It's just you coming off a beat down, you know what I mean? Like he was doing well against Canelo, but once Canelo started hitting him and tagging him, you know, he, he, he like, got a beat down. It wasn't like he got knocked out or anything like that, but sometimes that's even more detrimental to you than just getting knocked out cold. And so once he starts feeling that, those shots, you know, it, it's going to contribute to his uh, his demise. So I like El Bandera, uh, Roja, somewhere like the 10 through 12, but I think he'll stop Caleb Plant. Anything else you got? Oh, sir. I think we, we did our thing, man. You know, we, we double yeah, yeah. action, you know, tag team. You know, you was hitting that, hitting my hand. I was hitting yours, let you in the ring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's it's good fights, man. I, I, I can't, I'm glad I actually looked at a lot of these because I'm like, man, I'm, I'll be looking forward to, to seeing these, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all of these, it's, it's a little bit of something that you want. So you look forward to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even the Tank and the Raleigh fight, I'm like, oh, man, I, I can't wait to see, you know, Raleigh walk to the ring with that grimace on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, – I'm, I'm disappointed, but at the same time, I do want to see the highlight reel knockout that's certainly sure to come, you know. And see what what I want to see what Raleigh's gonna be talking about in the interview if he allows if he's allowed to get interviewed. 
Eli. So you predicting knockout of the year for uh, Tank Davis is is, is going to be the knockout of the year? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might be something else that comes down the, down the line. You know, you got some power punches that still have some fights coming up, but I just can't see Roly. He's going to get clocked clean. You know what I'm saying? And I don't I, like I said, I've seen him get like kind of little wobbled by like Sparrow and guys like that. And I can just imagine once Tank lines them up for one of them. I can just, they're going to slow motion it too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to see Tank just zero in with them uppercuts or something. And it's just going to be like. Now, I will say, Raleigh is one of those guys I I, I, I really don't like, though. I, and, and here's and a lot of that is, is I, I'm still talking to you about that uh, Jackson Martinez fight where Martinez pretty much got robbed. And, you know, he, 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 then Martinez actually, um, I can't remember who he lost against after that, but he ended up, I think it was Richard Comey, you know, fighting Richard Comey and losing. And I, I really felt bad for Jackson Martinez because he deserved that win and never really got it. And now he's really, really a contender again, you know. And here's Raleigh getting a uh, fight with Tank Davis. You know? Yeah. I See, at first I felt that way because remember I was saying I felt like that they were forcing Raleigh on us. And I still now I know why they're forcing him on us because they're trying to set him up for this fight for Tank, you know, and that's why they were pushing him and putting him on TV when he certainly was not ready. And like I said, first I didn't like the kid because some of the things that he was saying, his actions in the rain, like acting like he was so good. But then after a while, I just start figuring he don't know any better. You know what I'm saying? And who am I to like not like somebody who's just um, it's part of it is his troll game. Like he does that sort of thing. But I think some of those things he actually believes. And, you know, I, like, so I just can't really be upset with a guy who they don't know any better. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, I think, and, and, and that's more so, you know, they say God protects fools and babies. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. I ain't going to really hate on somebody who don't know any better, you know, he gonna learn. He gonna learn. He gonna learn that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Like some, sometimes you know, like like uh, it's like celery. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's gonna be good for him. You know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, he'll learn a lesson and hopefully. But then again, some people. That's the interesting thing about. It. I want to see what happens after the fight. Like, what does it um, humble him a little bit, or is it gonna make him even more of somebody who is kind of area because for instance Adrian Broner right he's still kind of like after the loss to um the Maidana yeah the Maidana loss at first he was humbled a little bit but then after a while he got back to you know the same shenanigans and so you know I just anticipate a brutal knockout so I'm just trying to see because I've seen people like in real life who I thought would be humbled after they got knocked out but then, I, you know, a couple weeks go by, and the next, you know, they back on that same nonsense that they were on. They can't help themselves. So it'll be interesting to see what type of lesson he's going to learn after Tank uh, lands one of the brutal uppercuts. But no, that's all I got, man. You get anything you want, want to say in closing? Uh, no, sir. Yeah, man. Certainly appreciate it again. Nice convo. Um, yeah, make sure you go ahead and, and, and stay tuned in. You know, certainly appreciate your ear this week. And then also don't forget to catch us on YouTube, also um, Twitter, Instagram, you know, it's all last ones at the bar. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. We out. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your week. And we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.